Is mankind marked by majesty or humility? Are we meant to serve as spiritual beings devoted to God or as majestic beings engaged with the world? The answer, as Rabbi Soloveitchik has taught us, is yes. And balancing these different aspects of our life, of human nature itself, is not easy. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 229, Out of the Depths. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. The phrase, famous fourth footnote, means different things to different people. For some, as a Google search will reveal, the joining of these three words will immediately conjure up discussions of the 1938 Supreme Court case, United States versus Caroline Products Company, involving the incredibly entrancing subject of milk crossing state lines, a case which, as best as this legal novice can decipher, establishes a certain standard for some forms of judicial review that is known as strict scrutiny. But Google will also confirm that for an admittedly niche group of alumni of Yeshiva University, as well as for general devotees of the thought and writings of Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik, for us, there is only one true footnote for, and that is the fourth footnote to Rabbi Soloveitchik's classic work, Halachic Man. It is in this footnote that Rabbi Soloveitchik reflects on the very nature of the religious life in a way that we might not initially expect from a rabbi. And the profound approach that he offers therein is linked to a psalm that is more famous than the words of any fourth footnote ever might be. Among the 15 songs of ascents that are in the psalms, it is safe to say that two are most well known as psalms of prayer due to their constant usage in traditional Jewish liturgy and life. The first is Psalm 121, which also begins with the phrase, a song of ascents, though the Hebrew is slightly different here from all the others. It is Shir Lama'alot, rather than Shir Hama'alot. It continues, I will lift up mine eyes unto the mountains, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. This psalm is justifiably renowned and rightly relied upon in times of crisis as a source of inspiration and prayer. But in an interesting article, Rabbi Al-Khanan Samet argues that we have today lost our sense of its original application. Why would the psalmist speak of looking up to the mountains? Why would it ask for God to guard our comings and goings? The answer, he writes, is that the psalm was originally meant as a version of what is today called Tfilat HaDerach, a prayer uttered by one setting out on a journey. Rabbi Samet quotes the following from the scholar Amos Chacham. Quote, this verse expresses the sentiments of a man going on a journey through the mountains. He lifts up his eyes toward the mountains through which he will pass, and he asks himself, Is there anyone among these mountains who will come to my assistance and will protect me from the dangers that lie in store for travelers? End quote. In order for us to better appreciate the original application of the psalm, Rabbi Samet reminds us of the story of Jacob fleeing from Esau, hoping for the help of God as he journeys across the continent of Mesopotamia. Rabbi Samet adds, quote, Modern man is generally unaware of the distress experienced by a person setting out on a distant journey in ancient times. This is because of the relative safety of today's travel and because of the sophistication of modern modes of transportation. If he sets out on a journey on foot, he does so for his pleasure. One who sets out on a journey in the distant past did not do so for the sake of fun and entertainment. 
a person would leave his house out of economic, familial, or personal necessity. Usually he would sit on a foot often alone and he would cover great distances in unfamiliar places. Serious concern would accompany him on his travels. How will he save himself from the dangers lying in wait along the roads, which were always presumed to be perilous? Will he arrive safely at his destination? Will he merit returning home in peace? End quote. This, then, is what Psalm 121 may be, a psalm of journeys. Now we turn to another psalm of ascents, 130. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all its iniquities. This psalm has some fascinating turns of phrase, but above all, there is the haunting description of crying out to God from the depths in Hebrew, Minhamamakim. From out of the depths of what? For one medieval commentator, Ibn Ezra, the reference of calling from the depths is a description of the lowliness experienced by the Jewish people in exile. For another, Rabbi David Kimchi, the Hebrew Mimamakim is a metaphor for exile meant to invoke one in crisis lost in the depths of the sea. But for Rabbi Soloveitchik writing in his fourth footnote to his 1940s work, Halachic Man, the meaning is something else entirely. The reference is to the inner depths of the human spirit, to deep within ourselves. What does it mean to cry out to God from within the depths of the soul? What this psalm illustrates, Rabbi Soloveitchik argues, is the true nature of religious life and how all too often today descriptions of faith amount, unfortunately, to false advertising. Religion, he notes, is often put forward as a panacea, something that will bring instant spiritual bliss and remove all the struggles of life. As he put in his fourth footnote, all too often, quote, the representatives of religious communities are inclined to portray religion in a wealth of colors that dazzle the eye as a poetic Arcadia, a realm of simplicity, wholeness, and tranquility, end quote. For many, Rabbi Soloveitchik argues, the message of religion is, quote, if you wish to acquire tranquility without paying the price of spiritual agonies, turn unto religion. If you wish to achieve a fine psychic equilibrium without having to first undergo a slow, gradual personal development, turn unto religion. And if you wish to achieve an instant spiritual wholeness and simplicity that need not be forged out of the struggles and torments of consciousness, turn unto religion, end quote. Religion, he writes, is not at the outset a refuge of grace and mercy for the despondent and desperate, an enchanted stream for crushed spirits, but a raging, clamorous torrent of man's consciousness with all its crises, pangs, and torments, end quote. In other words, life itself is complex, and Judaism does not do away with its complexities. On the contrary, we have, throughout our discussion of the Bible, utilizing Rabbi Soloveitchik's thoughts, took note of these very complexities. Is mankind marked by majesty or humility? Are we meant to serve as spiritual beings devoted to God or as majestic beings engaged with the world? The answer, as Rabbi Soloveitchik has taught us, is yes. And balancing these different aspects of our life, of human nature itself, is not easy. Life is fraught with complexities and struggles. And it is, for Rabbi Soloveitchik, precisely from within the struggles of daily life that we cry out from the depths of our soul to God. Or as he puts it, quote, Out of the straits of inner oppositions and incongruities, spiritual doubts and uncertainties, out of the depths of a psyche rent with 
antinomies and contradictions. Out of the bottomless pit of a soul that struggles with its own torment, I have called, I have called unto thee, O Lord. End quote. This, for Rabbi Soloveitchik, is the meaning of Psalm 130. To this, we might immediately respond, but wait a minute. Did we not study David's most famous psalm, The Lord is my shepherd? which describes God restoring our soul as he lays us by still waters? Does this psalm not give voice to the tranquility one can experience from the presence of God? The answer is that the complexity of the psalms as a biblical book reveal the complexities of David himself, who exposes us to the very complexity of the human spirit. Psalm 23 is indeed a resplendent source of enduring hope, but no one who read the psalms can assume that Psalm 23 is the only explication of David's experience of the Almighty. The very same David that spoke of being laid down by still waters also in certain psalms cried out to God who seemed in certain moments very distant. Only the psalms in their totality reflect the complexity of a real relationship with God and therefore the complexity of faith itself. Rabbi Soloveitchik put it this way, quote, Yes, it is true that during the third Sabbath meal at dusk, as the day of rest declines and man's soul yearns for its creator and is afraid to depart from that realm of holiness whose name is Sabbath, into the dark and frightening secular workaday week, we sing the psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. But then Rasolovechik adds that at the same time, quote, the path that eventually will lead to the green pastures and to the still waters is not the royal road, but a narrow, twisting footway that threads its course along the steep mountain slope as the terrible abyss yawns at the traveler's feet, end quote. Understood this way, the psalm calling out to God from the depths, is not depicting a specific moment of crisis. It is describing the journey of life itself. In his wonderful book on Rabbi Salvechik's thought, Rabbi Ruvin Ziegler comments that Rabbi Salvechik's point is that, quote, religion is not less demanding than secularity, but rather more so. It does not offer an escape from reality, but rather provides the ultimate encounter with reality. It suggests no quick fixes, but rather demands constant struggle in order to attain spiritual growth, end quote. What emerges then, ladies and gentlemen, from this interpretation is that in its own way, Psalm 130 is also a journeying psalm, but it refers to the spiritual journey that is life. Indeed, born in the early 1900s in a town that no doubt still had horses and buggies, Rabbi Soloveitchik himself witnessed the greatest transformation in travel in human history in his own life, with his own career ultimately connected to journeying between New York and Boston by plane several times a week. And yet Rabbi Soloveitchik continued in his writing to warn contemporary Americans that these extraordinary advancements would not remove the spiritual complexities of contemporary life and that we would still need to call out to God from the very depths of our spirit. We can therefore connect this psalm as well with the journey of Jacob. It is Rabbi Sachs who suggested that Jacob emerging as Israel after his nighttime struggle with a mysterious figure reflects the notion of faith, quote, as a wrestling match, as we struggle with our doubts and hesitations. Above all the fear, it's called the imposter syndrome, that we are not as big as people think we are or as God wants us to be. Out of such experiences, Rabbi Sachs continues, we, like Jacob, can emerge limping. Yet, it is out of such experiences that we too can discover that we have been wrestling with an angel who forces us to a strength we did not know. And Rabbi Sachs adds, out of the depths we can reach the heights. The deepest crises of our lives can turn out to be the moments when we encounter the deepest truths and acquire our greatest strengths, end quote. The journey of life is the truest and most important journey of all. And it is inspiring to me to know from someone like Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik that his own life journey was not devoid 
of struggles. Rabbi Ziegler rightly notes that Rabbi Soloveitchik's fourth footnote could be an essay in its own right. We may then hope for a time when it becomes truly famous and that the interpretation that Rabbi Soloveitchik gave us will be more than a mere footnote in our own lives. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.